Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Welcome to the uh, latest edition of the coaching podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Pooley and um, for people that have been listening, we're running a series um, talking to some very highly experienced coaches about their thoughts and approaches of how they decide of what to co coach or to focus on during a coaching intervention. I'm really pleased today to be joined by Chris Brain. Uh, I've known Chris Brain for, for many years now and I've had the pleasure of um, working alongside him on, on several, for several aspects of activity and uh, course development. So welcome, Chris. Hi there, Lee. Good to see you again. Um, I think just for, just for the listeners, could you, could you possibly give a bit of a background to yourself? So introduce yourself and a background on your, on your paddling uh, uh, as well as uh, your coaching? Yeah, so I, I started uh, paddling um, about, well, about 20 years ago now. I got involved with a local canoe club um, that was connected to an activity centre and, uh, and started paddling with, uh, with the canoe club, but also having lessons from the centre as well. So, so I would go and have a sort of formal coaching really early on into my, into my paddling career. And it was a, a predominantly a whitewater-based uh, kayak club, so um, so we would we would sort of paddle a lot of rivers based around the northwest, and we would head up into the Lake District and uh, to North Wales as well. And the club had a real um, a real emphasis on on freestyle or, or on rodeo, as we would have called it back then, really. Um, and it was really at the at the boom of uh, short boats and um, and modern designs and freestyle designs of opening up new tricks and and all of that so so my my background inadvertently became paddling um in sort of freestyle and, and doing a lot of surfing and um like trying to do pop outs and all that sort of thing in, in a lot of the the current crop of of uh, at the time modern boats which would have looked which now look really <laughs> really quite different from what people are paddling at the moment uh, from there, I just um, carried on doing lots of white, white water, um, but also starting to dabble quite a bit in canoe and certainly more recently into stand-up paddleboarding as well. So most of my background is in white water kayak and, and also in freestyle as well, but, but I'd like to think of myself as a, as a multidisciplined paddler. Um, I'm, I'm not really, um, nowadays I'm not really too worried about which craft I paddle, just that it's the right one for the right environment and that I, I really enjoy sort of experiencing lots of different environments uh, nowadays, to be honest as well, which is, which is great. Um, my coaching background with that is, um, is that I, I started coaching really early on into my paddling career as well. So, so as I was, I was learning to paddle, I was also being encouraged to, to start on the, the coaching pathways and doing sort of level ones and level twos as it would have been uh, back then and, and really getting involved with, with that side of things as well. So as I was learning and I was developing, I was also actively helping the, the people that really weren't too far behind me in terms of learning some of the, the basics and the skills as well. And I've, I've kept that and that's developed into a career coaching and uh, guiding leading paddle sports. Wow. Um... Lots there, Chris. Um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you used the term rodeo. It just, um, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, maybe some of the listeners didn't didn't realise it used to be called rodeo or playboating, and now it's got a a, a much more uh, a trendier name, uh, such as freestyle. But uh, 
yeah, it's, it's great to just, you know, I think it's really important just to sort of paint that picture of your progression um, from very early stages, you know, uh, white wall base within a club, paddling in the lakes to, to where you are now. Um, and and for, for many of the listeners, listeners will know you as a highly respected and regarded coach within paddle sports. Um, I think before we dig any deeper, I, I'd be really keen to to explore with you uh, and almost sort of you know put put your, put yourself under a bit of a microscope. Really, what would you regard as the, you know some of your significant influence influences that that have had on you and who you are now as a coach? So the the really early coaches that that got me started um, definitely had a massive influence on me, um, just in terms of their approach and their passion for it. And and really, I think it was very important for them, or, or it seemed to be for them, to get my fundamentals like really right and and to get me sitting up straight in a boat and you know paddling. Uh, in a straight line and I know some modern modern approaches might be slightly different from what we what we did back then but that that was that was really important to those coaches and they had a big impact on me recognizing that some of those fundamentals are really are really important and as my coaching journey has developed I've I've had the pleasure of having lots of interaction with uh, a full range of different coaches who who have all helped influence lots of different things including things that are technical, so understanding some of the technical side of things, but also understanding how to apply that into the environment as well, and, and recognizing when the right things are, are appropriate for different environments, but also some coaches that have had input in the sort of psychological like, approach, and, and more recently as well, some of the, the fitness side of things as well, and actually the, the physiological side of things too. Wow, okay, so, I mean, we're going to go on to a question uh, in a minute around your coaching philosophy, but it certainly sounds just from talking to you about you know, you've had a huge variety and diverse input into shaping your views and perspectives of, of, of paddle sport and maybe coaching. Um, so what would be nice to hear is what, what is your coaching philosophy now and has it changed over the years? So yes, it has. It has changed. And, and I'd like to think if you ask me this question again in the future that there's, there's been some progression there as well and some development. So right now, I think my philosophy is, is based around sort of three, three key areas. And I, and I could probably word this into a, a sentence, but I like to think of it being based around three key things. And I think it's got to be based, uh, my philosophy is about coaching, uh, sorry, it's about adventure, um, personal development, and challenge and I think what what that means for the people that I'm coaching is going to be always a little bit different so adventure for somebody at a high level could be um, you know a really uh, a really challenging trip in a remote location where the the water is of a high grade for example or if it's somebody that I'm coaching who is really at the early stages then adventure could just be um, paddling uh, around a small island on a small on a small lake on a slightly windy day. It doesn't necessarily have to be that it's always at the the top end of the environmental remits that we we might have. So I think I think some element of venture, some element of unknown, I think is really important within uh, within the the coaching that I do. 
And I think it's always really important to, to place the people in, in the real environment. So not to keep it sort of sterile or to hide from the environment. And I think that helps to really bring the adventure out. In terms of personal development, I really like to focus on helping people move from, from where they were when they started to, to a, a new place, to, to somewhere where they feel like they've moved on. And that, that might be a really small change in a session, or it could be that it's a really small change over a, over a number of sessions. But I think having some element of the individual developing is, is really essential in, in my coaching. And, and the challenge aspect, I think, again, is, is really subjective and really relevant to, to the person. But I, I try and avoid coaching sessions where um, everything is really easy and every task can be achieved first time. You know, I think I don't think that's actually that helpful for the people that we're coaching. So I really try and put in some some element of of challenge, um, which which may may or may not they may not be able to do. So so that's that's where I'm at now. Where I've been at previously, I think if you'd asked me this maybe when I started out or 10 or 15 years ago, I think my philosophy would have been framed more around technical competence um, and that being really, really important. So um, people's skills being, being perfect and aiming for a, um, a perfect replica of any kind of move that's breaking or breaking out and, and less room for, for variation there. I think, I think my philosophy would have been would have been framed all around like be, being really skilled in a boat <laughs> essentially okay i mean i've got so i've got some questions that we're going to dig into but i think as you've just mentioned it then you know a change in your philosophy what why do you think it's changed from a a because you know from what from what i know of you chris is you know, technical is still really important but actually it may not be the absolute everything that you would have normally coached when you were when you were younger within your coaching career. Why has that changed? Because skills still important, but why? What? What? What's, what's made you? What's made the transition to move away from that? Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I do. I do still place like a high value on on that technical competence, but I don't think it's it's the only thing that's that's as in important. Um, as maybe I used to think it was like the, the sort of key, the key thing really. Um, what I think has changed is that I think I've seen um, in my coaching, I've seen people who are technically really competent, but still actually can, um, can find real challenges in the environment. You know, they, can still, they can still struggle to, um, to perform in that environment, whether that is because of a, a psychological barrier, um, it could be maybe uh, a physical barrier in terms of fitness or something that needs to be to be worked on there but I've, I'm just placing less weight on that now than I than I used to because I think I think I've seen paddlers more holistically now and, and less like that that technical is the is the only focus so so I try and I try and focus on coaching a well-rounded paddler rather than somebody who is just um, really technically able yeah no I, I, thanks for that clarity and that probably um, sort of answers my other question, but I just want to sort of just delve into it. You talk about personal development and I just wanted to just sort of go, well, what is personal development? And I think you've touched on it there. Um, you know, what would you regard? Because you said as part of your session, you want to see some kind of progression or, or increase. And can you just give some examples what they might be? Yeah. 
And, and I, I think it's, it's great that you've, you've questioned that because I think that's one of those things that I could probably define in a, in a few different ways, really. Um, I, I really like the idea of students um, setting goals and setting challenges and, and setting targets. So they've got accurate milestones that they, they could hit. Now, those, those targets might be something that's happening during the session, like they'd maybe like to be able to, to paddle down a certain rapid or perform a certain move um, on the water and and we could have those those incremental targets and um, and that on the session but it could also be that they've got something long term to work towards and I think there's there's so much personal development in in working towards a goal um, as much as there is in in actually just reaching it and achieving it so whether that is somebody wants to paddle the, the Caledonian Canal you know the Great Glen way up in Scotland and that's that's their long-term goal with their long-term focus the actual personal development and the journey that happens to get to there I think is is where a lot of the magic happens you know how do we how do we get to a point where actually we can we can achieve that that goal and achieve that that long-term task okay uh, that, that's that's just really useful and, and, and hopefully for me most certainly just you know adds to for, for me understanding you as a, as a person but all hopefully the listeners as well are actually understanding your philosophy and how it's how it's developed over the over the years um i think what really screams out to me is you know huge amounts of of different people you've worked with um you know have different influences in in certain in, in certain areas um what i'd be keen to do is uh, my next question really is about how on earth do you, as an experienced coach, decide what to coach? So uh, it's like, you know, sometimes I've, you know, I've been working with, I've been working with less experienced coaches and gone and, you know, with, with other experienced coaches and they always look in awe and go, how did they get that? How did they get to that point of knowing what to coach? So, you know, it's a big area but could you possibly you know give us some kind of insight in how you decide what to coach i i think it's a it's a great question because if you if you asked me at the start of a lot of my coaching sessions especially if i'm working with somebody really new i might i might str I'd struggle to give the answer as to what we're going to what we're going to coach and i think that's because i haven't actually uh maybe met the person i haven't spoken to them i haven't found out what they what they want to do. So when I'm thinking about what to coach, the, it's got to start with, with the paddle. It's got to start with their motivations. What do they actually want to get out of this, out of the coaching session, or maybe um, what do they want to do long-term? And, and that can start to, to generate at least some ideas of, of what we might do. Now it's the the challenge for me is taking that conversation, which might be bank based or via an email, and then looking at does that match the picture that we see out on the water. So, in in my in my initial moments on the water, I'm looking to gather as much information and to gather as much evidence, for want of a better word, about does does that does that match what we talked about. So so if they say they want to um, they want to paddle a certain grade of water. And then we, we kind of get on, on the water. I sort of think, does, does that actually fit? Is what I'm seeing matching what I, um, what I maybe expect to see or what they told me I might see? So I spend, I spend a lot of time gathering information. So that could be um, either myself or the student setting some tasks, um, show me what they 
can do, but also I'd ideally like to see what they what they can't do, you know, or, or just get a, a hint of something that maybe seems like it's it's not quite working. And then ideally I'd like to make sure that's robust enough by seeing it work or not quite work a few times. So it's not just it's not just a one-off. I, I really don't like basing my coaching sessions on just a one-off moment. I, I definitely think I've been guilty in the past, um, quite historically, of seeing somebody do something and it or try something and it not work, and then go, right, we're going to base the next the next three hours on something that I've seen once um, not work. And I, I don't really think that's that's reliable evidence to start a, a coaching session with. So if if I'm if I'm working with somebody for a day, you know, I, I will usually spend at least the morning just gathering information. Um, and that can still be done in a fun way. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's not maybe too clinical, but it, it might feel like we're going paddling and we're just trying things out and seeing moves that work and seeing moves that don't work. But there's a lot of information gathering to start before we then think about, well, what are we actually, what are we actually gonna coach? And, it, and that, that process, I really like to be done with the student. And I think that's one of the key things that I've changed over the years is that I come back to the student now and I say, what are we gonna work on? What, what do you think we need, to, we need to approach based upon what we've, we've just been doing for the last few hours? And I'll of course have some ideas of things that we might want to work on, but I really try and get the student involved in that now. And I think that really helps for, for motivation. Um, and I, I definitely think that's quite different to me saying, here's what we're gonna do and, and here's, here's my plan. Because I think if I do that, it's it's just about me me and my plan and, and what I want to do and it's it's uh it's it's my it's my rules so to yeah. speak yeah absolutely I think um I think you know for me and I, I'm, I'm sure listeners would really really do appreciate your honesty uh Chris of going you know it probably didn't used to look like that um mm. and you know certainly it just screams out to me you know very person-centered you know very individualized um gathering information um and I think for me is I want to add I want to add a complexity to it. So um, to me, that sounds all great when you've got one person or you may have two people. But a lot of people will be listening going, I work with a club and I've got I have six people on the water. Could you give any advice to you know, how would you approach, can you approach with your philosophy now into a, into a, a, a six person session, say for an example? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a really great question. That's something I, I spend a fair amount of time thinking about, especially when I know I've got, well, I've got a, a larger group thinking, well, how am I, how am I going to do what I say I would usually do with this group? And I, I do think it's still really possible to have a, a group working together or working in the same location, but I would typically try and set up a way of them still having their own individual challenges or, or their own individual coaching, even if that means that we've got multiple people doing slightly different things. Of course, there needs to be like safety frameworks set up so that we can all keep our eye on each other and that I can manage the safety there. Um, but I, I like to think about what, what I'm going to do is give 
or he's worked with the Padua to have an individual task and then give them some individual feedback or between us we give we work on some individual feedback I really try and avoid now those moments of we're all going to do the same thing and then everybody's all going to get the same feedback um, because that will be okay for for some people but there's a lot of people in that group that that feedback won't be applicable for or they want something that's maybe at a lower level or even at a higher level so I, I tried as much as possible to to set up a way on the water that people can can gain some individual feedback much more easily and even if even if that's just setting people off um, at different times you know so you, you maybe have a, a group of six people and you could start off working on the same theme it might be breaking and breaking out or it might be surfing but give them a little individual task or, or get them to generate a little individual task and then inevitably quite quickly they come back individually and and we start that process of being a bit a little bit more individualized so i, I try and avoid now saying everybody's going to do the same thing just because i don't really think that usually leads to much individualization no, that, that's really useful. And I, and I like the examples that you've given, like setting people off, you know, one at a time um, and getting people to do individual work. Um, I think what I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still you know, sort of pursuing this, this um, group, group dynamics, you know, of, of you know, one-to-one -one coaching, it, you know, it's a lovely space to be in. Um, do you, do you think it actually requires more thought and planning um, if you, you know, when you're working with, you know, six people than it does one, one person, or do you think it's very equal time? It would be good to understand your, your thoughts. So I, I do think it, I think it does require a little bit more from the coach. Um, and, and I think as with any, any skill, it requires practice and reflection as well. So, so you need to you need to reflect on did did it work did it not work what went well what didn't go well, um, and and I think it's that that analogy of being able to to juggle lots of balls at the same time because you can quite easily set up a position where you're giving feedback to somebody but ideally you're also watching somebody else at the same time and and that can be that can be so challenging to do, and um, one of the things that that I think is beneficial that that approach lends itself to is students taking a bit more of a focus on what, what is actually what what feedback have they got what are they learning from it rather than all the feedback just coming directly from the coach in that in that sort of classic the coach sets the task the student has a go at doing the task and then the coach gives the feedback um, I think setting people off individually um, and then knowing that you um, are going to have moments where maybe you're not watching completely or maybe you're not um, you're giving feedback to you're working with somebody else I think setting it up in that way the students are encouraged to think about what happened themselves to 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 be encouraged to self-coach a little bit because they're going to think well I'm, I'm not going to see Chris now I'm not going to see him every time I, I come back round on this so I'm going to go back in again but what will I what will I change or what will I adapt and I think if people are struggling with that, with that approach, because sometimes people might be used to getting coached feedback on every single attempt, I, I try and give them some encouragement to think about, well, if you're going to go back in another time without seeing me, if you're going to have another go at surfing that way, for example, think about what you might change or what you might do differently so that they're taking a bit more ownership of that. Yeah. But, I, but I do think it requires a little bit more from the coach. Yeah, 
yeah definitely and there is a there is a danger isn't there there is a danger of um without without appropriate planning and thought process that you could easily just go into a, a delivery mode of patterns and scripts so you just have a a load of scripts that you just just use without any real insight into the observational feedback that the that the uh, that the paddle has given you isn't it so i think um yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? It's you know, it's about a clear a clear plan. It's a thought process, and and actually engaging the individuals into their own into their own development. Um, one of the things one of the things that uh, I'm keen to explore with you, keen to explore with you, and especially when you're being so open and honest with me, Chris, is you know. Are you aware of any biases that you might have that that influence influence how you are as a coach? Yeah, so I it, it's a it's a great question that I've again I've thought a little bit about of you know what do I what do I think is is something that should be on every session or or I should what's my golden tip that I'm going to tell everybody on every session regardless of whether they need it or not I suppose um, and and I do think I've got. Um, a bit of a bias towards really valuing skills like surfing and um, like surfing in a stopper and, and also things like spinning and control of the boat in that kind of way. And I do think that goes back to my, uh, my roots in freestyle and, and rodeo because I think, I think those skills are really val still valuable for the modern whitewater boater. Um, but, but I've certainly seen due to, I think, boat design really that the, a lot of the modern river running boats don't necessarily lend themselves to those skills as well. So it'd be possible to, to actually get to quite a high level, but for your surfing and like stopper surfing and spinning skills to be, um, you know, qu quite a bit of a lower level. So I'm quite conscious that I have a bias towards trying to get people to input those into, um, into, into, their coaching into my coaching repertoire and into their skills whether or not they always need them that's that's kind of the question isn't it that's whether or not they always want it or, or need it I, I'm not sure but that's one of the things I'm I think I have a bias towards well it's, it's good to hear you know you use the word you know you're conscious of your bias and I think that's really important isn't it you know we do have you know we do have our sort of you know this is the top tip that just sorted out everything this you know and or you've you've learned something new and you want to explore it with people it, it can be a bias and i think that conscious bias is really important chris um i really appreciate your time chris and you know your your your, your openness to be able to just to explore with us us together is is your your approach to coaching your philosophy and and, and how it's shaped your time within paddle sport how it's shaped to the person and the coach you are today um, before we before we sort of close close uh, this podcast is um what does 2021 look like for you what, what have you got coming up and what are you looking forward to well um, I'd, I'd really hope there's more water time coming up um where, where i'm where i'm based up in the northwest um without sort of leaving my without leaving my area i um i struggle to get out onto some of the water that i'd really uh like to get out on so i'm hoping that we, there's more water time coming up um, definitely like to spend more time out on a stand-up paddleboard and I'd really like to get more in my whitewater kayak and and one of the things I'd love to do more of if I can is to get back in my freestyle boat and to mm. to do 
a bit more of that um, because my my work doesn't often take me in that direction. So I'd really like to to do to do more of that and just to make sure my skills are really sharp. Um, I'm also really conscious on of my own fitness and um, and that's something I've been working on quite a lot in the last twelve months. So I'd really like to just maintain that and keep that keep that going as well. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Well, um, yeah. Before we sort of started recording, yeah, we were talking about running, and I was very impressed with you. You run in every single day now, which uh, which is, is which is very impressive and uh, great to see you. Uh, great to see you in in good form, uh, in good spirits, Chris. And uh, really appreciate your time today. As I said, um, so for everyone, I hope you all enjoyed that uh, that podcast that we had with Chris Brain. Um, keep an eye out for other podcasts over the over the forthcoming year. And um, thanks very much for listening. Take care.